the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Over the last two programs, we have taken a look at where the Spirit will never lead you. Today, we begin a look at where He will lead you. Join us. Truth For Today is up next. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, welcome to Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard returns us to the book of Galatians. We're in chapter 5, looking at verses 22 through 26. Now, we've spent a couple of days understanding where the Spirit won't lead and why. And now, we turn our attention to where He will always lead us. It's a beautiful passage. Join us. With this edition of Truth For Today, let's catch up with Pastor Phil Howard and an understanding of where the Holy Spirit always leads us. I'm going to deal with two things today. Uh, What the filling of the Spirit is and why we need it. And what the walk in the Spirit is and what the fruit of the Spirit is. So three aspects of the Holy Spirit. Spirit filling, Spirit walking, and uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, before we jump into this, Paul in Galatians 5 will pick up verse 22 today. He said, beginning with verse 16, walk in the Spirit and you will not perform the deeds of the flesh. So he delivers you from these 15 negative things, and there's many more, but he delivers you from that which comes from our fallen sin nature. Now he's going to move to the positive, where the Spirit always leads, what the Spirit always produces. But lest you misunderstand, because we're just jumping in here, as it were, remember he's written five chapters before he ever gets here. Because Aristotle, the Greeks had a large list of virtues and vices. Any religion can make up a list of what's virtuous and what's vices. And that appeals. It can become another form of the law. If you just jump in there, I've got to walk in love, joy, peace, and gentleness. And No, no, no. You must understand this. He's saying saved people who have put their faith in Jesus Christ are delivered from two things. They're delivered from being under the law, and primarily the law of Moses. They're not under its penalties, and we're not under it as a rule of life. I don't consult Moses on how to live the Christian life. And yet he wrote for God, and he wrote things that reveal the character of God, and it's the Word of God, the first uh, five books of Moses. We count it as a revelation from God. But my rule of life as a believer, I'm not being run by the book of Leviticus. I'm not under it. Romans 6, 14, we are not under law, but under grace, a big distinction. So those who have put faith in Christ are not under the law, 
And two, they are forever free from the flesh, the power of indwelling sin. Well, the question would come up, and I'm sure Paul heard it. Well, where do you get your ethical behavior then? If you don't have the law telling you what to do, what is this new religion you're talking about and this stuff of being justified or declared right with God by faith alone? Does that mean you just make up your own rules or live any old way? And now he's entering into the ethical part of the book. A lot of people want to jump here without ever reading the first five chapters. The cross, the work of Christ, the gospel. So if you jump in and just want an ethical religion, you can go to hell trying to live the Sermon on the Mount because it won't save you. You must come by way of the cross and a crucified Christ, and the Spirit must come into you in salvation. Then we're going to look at the new ethical life that is the outgrowth of it. But be sure you stop by the cross. Be sure you come to know Christ and don't jump into any system that has all these ethical niceties that you will eventually blow all of them. Just as Israel could not keep the law, though the law was good and righteous and perfect, but it revealed us human beings as imperfect. And so with that being said, let me say three things, no, four things about Christian ethics. The motive for our ethical behavior is the glory of God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do to the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, do to the glory of God. What does that mean? So that you show off your God and you give a good opinion of your God. That's our motive. Two, the model for my behavior as a Christian, the model is no one less than Jesus Christ. He's the template. We, we don't model after. We are being conformed in our daily lives to look like Christ. God has a template he wants you to look like, and it's none other than his son. And there's so much about all of us that don't look like Jesus. But he's going to get us there if we have to die and go to heaven. And he'll finally say, you finally got it. You've been transformed in a moment. But in the meantime, life is a series of daily conversions, daily repentance, daily confessions of becoming like this model, Christ. The manifestation of our ethics is revealed in the list here in the fruit of the Spirit. Now, when you use the word fruit, it's not it's one fruit with nine flavors. Now, if I said uh, the fruit is in the basket, I use a singular word fruit, right? The fruit is in the basket. I don't say the fruit's in the basket, right? So, what he's saying here is not exhaustive as even the works of the flesh. This is a sample of the fruit that comes into the Spirit-produced life. And we've got a list in 2 Peter 1. We've got Romans 12. We've got Colossians 3. Where Colossians includes compassion and humility, not mentioned here. Uh, Peter adds other things, brotherly love. So it's not an exhaustive list, but it's an example of the kind of products that will be manifested in your life. And here is the last thing. Our motive the glory of God. 
uh, our model, Jesus Christ. The manifestation of it is measured by the fruit of the Spirit. And here is the key. This kind of life is not produced by the law, the Torah. It's not produced by the flesh. This is accomplished by the Holy Spirit that is God's gift to every believer. So you have all the power to live this kind of life, and there is no place in the Bible where there's gradations of believers. This is the normal Christian life that he's going to describe. Let me begin. So I say, live by the Spirit, in verse 16, and you will absolutely not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And we looked at what those desires were. Now we go to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's a a kind of a difficult verse. What it really means, the law is irrelevant to this kind of character. It has nothing to do with producing it. You don't need a law when you act this way. And he's saying the Spirit, His fruit will produce this. The law is irrelevant to it. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Let me say, this is very interesting. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I was crucified with Christ. This is not what he's talking about. Here, he says, the believer themselves put to death these passions and desires. Did you know there's a, uh, John Owens wrote a famous uh, thesis. None of you have read him. He wrote in 1600s. He wrote a great book on the mortification of the flesh. Colossians 3, 5, put to death the deeds of the sinful nature. Romans 8, 13, if we are putting to death the deeds of the body, we shall live. Part of our daily walk is how to put to death sinful passions, sinful desires, and there's a way we put them to death. The way I understand it is as we walk by faith, when a sinful desire or a sinful passion comes to me, I run to the Father, and on the basis of being united with Christ, I could say, Father, I, on the basis that I'm joined with Christ, reckon myself to be dead to that passion. I'm dead to that sin, and by faith, I'm counting on you to deliver me. And I yield my body for your use only. Romans 6. I know I'm united with you. I know I've already died with Christ, but now I'm reckoning on it. I count myself. I put it to death. That is an inappropriate passion, inappropriate desire, and I count on you to put it to death. We do this. You died with Christ was God's work for you, but I must daily be putting to death wrong passions, wrong desires, and God forbid, wrong deeds. That's a part of ongoing. And then notice what else. Uh, I'm not only putting these to death, I'm living by the Spirit. I'm keeping in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. First of all, let's understand what spirit filling is. 
Turn with me. I don't like to do this to you, but the next book over is called Ephesians. Turn there. It's right there. I didn't want to make it too hard on you, but it's right there. Let me tell you about the word spirit filling. The word, there were two words for filling in the Greek language. Uh, one was plato, and you could give a synonym for it called flooding. The Spirit flooded John the Baptist while he's in the womb. He was filled with the Spirit in his mother's womb. And it's playful. He was flooded some way. It's amazing. Um, it was used on the day of Pentecost. The Spirit filled the place. They were flooded by the Spirit of God. But when he comes to Ephesians 5.18, he uses a word, plerao. You don't have to spell that, but it is a different word. And the word uh, had this meaning, literally, to, to fill up what is incomplete. To fill up what is incomplete. And uh, it was used when Paul said in Philippians 4.18, I am full, lacking nothing. And he used that of material substance. You, you, my needs are all being met. Uh, my deficiency is being supplied. I'm being completed in the way of material goods. Uh, it was used of uh, ge- geography. It says that Jerusalem was filled with their teaching. That is, it was completely going all around in Jerusalem. It was filling up what was incomplete, or sometimes, some lexicon says, it filled up deficiencies. Now, Paul knew these believers were incomplete and deficient in the way they were living the Christian life. And I'll show it to you in, Philippi- or in Ephesians 4. Let's just pick uh, verse 26. And let me reflect in the Greek, which was present imperatives. I'm commanding you to stop something you're doing. And get these verses here. Verse 26. Uh, In your anger, stop sinning. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. He's not saying this. You might do it. He says, I know you are sinning. Stop doing something you're doing. He goes on. uh, Stop giving the devil a foothold. Stop. You're stealing. Who's he addressing? Is he addressing the local uh, gang member clubhouse? No, this, this is a church. He's addressing the church. Stop stealing. You don't need to tell saints to stop stealing, do you? Yes, you do. He did it. You don't have to tell saints to not sin when they get angry, because they never get angry. I just have to stop my line in the pulpit. Verse 29, stop unwholesome or rotten speech, cutting vulgar speech, bad talk. I can't believe it. Some of the vocabulary believers, we need to cut your tongue out. But there's something better than that. It's let the Spirit of God take over. And you can still talk and use the tongue for good. But he says, stop doing it. He says in verse 30, stop grieving the Holy Spirit. Verse 31, start getting rid of bitterness, rage, brawling, 
be kind to one another. He goes on to tell them to stop being immoral. Verse 2, you're incomplete in love. You need to get where you're complete. Verse 6, quit being involved in evil works. Uh, In verse 11, stop fellowshipping with darkness. Verse 18, stop getting drunk. Stop. Stop. What's your cure, Paul? Rather, get yourself under the influence of the Spirit. Oh, what will that do? He will fill up what's lacking in your character. He will fill up what's incomplete in your walk. He will fill up the deficiencies of your fallen character. The Holy Spirit wants to fill up the deficiencies of every one of us. We use this cop-out, well, it's the way I'm made. Oh, yuck. I guess that's the way Hitler was made. Well, it's in my genes. Well, I guess I was just born to be a cannibal. I was just born to commit genocide. Today, it's the genetic argument. I was born that way. Yeah, you were born a sinner. But those who have come to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in every believer, and he's saying to them, you're deficient in character, and God's gift to us believers, someone can fill up what's lacking in our character. And what's lacking? Christ-likeness. And he's there to promote Christ, to turn the mouth into a weapon for good, for edification, to uh, deliver us from all of these variegated sins. So every one of us are constantly, day by day, having to admit the uh, inadequacies, the deficiencies of our own Christ-likeness, and say, I want to be filled with the Spirit moment by moment. Now, as the Spirit fills you, He doesn't just fill you so you can be all happy, just you. He fills you that you might walk in the Spirit. And walking in the Spirit means live out your manner of life by reliance on the Holy Spirit so that we accuse you of a spirit walk. They're walking in the Spirit. And he uses the phrase down in verse 25, not only walking in the Spirit, but keep in step with the Spirit. A different word. And you know what I like to think of and what we want to look at today? Is where the Spirit will always lead you. And I would like for you to imagine, it's as though the Holy Spirit put his feet, as it were, into buckets of paint, and he decided to leave the room, and he makes nine steps. And what he's saying is keep in step with the Spirit. Well, where does the Spirit go? I'm a mystic. Where is he leading? Well, he leads in love, Joy, peace, kindness, goodness, long-suffering, 
self-control, faith. That's at least nine of his steps, and he's got a lot of others. But you just, well, I don't know which way to go. And I know the flesh has eight relational sins. I can hate them, be envious of them, jealous of them, be divisive, be factious, be critical, be this. Yeah, that's the flesh. We're not flesh people, remember. You don't get to operate in the flesh around here without us rebuking the daylights out of you. Saying that's sin. The flesh wasn't made to run the church. The church is Christ energized by the Spirit of Christ, so we've got to walk in the steps of the Spirit as we relate to one another. By the way, the fruit of the Spirit is not something you get to have in your room and say, oh, I've got the ninefold fruit. Oh, no, no, let someone else accuse you. These are social manifestations. He's talking to the church plural. You and the church, this is the fruit that we know people who walk in the Spirit, and we never walk in the Spirit on an island by ourselves, as it were. Or we can be spiritual, but its manifestation is other-centered. Always, you know, uh, I've got some fruit trees, and I've been beating the birds off my apricots. It, it, every year, Matthew 6 is fulfilled in my backyard. God feeds the birds of the heavens, but it ticks me. I want the unsaved to feed them. I'm God's child. I want the apricot for me. I don't care, Lord, fulfill the promise on my neighbor's tree. That's my attitude, see? But you know what? Apricots don't grow to feed apricots. The fruit is produced for others. So the fruit of the Spirit, as we are being filled with the Spirit because we have incomplete Christ-likeness in us, And as we decide, I'm going to order my manner of life after the Spirit, and two things I will be doing. I will be putting to death the passions and the desires of the flesh. I'm putting it to death. That's my job. No, that's sin. No, that's a lust. No, that's a wrong feeling. God, I judge it. I know it's wrong. But I choose to keep in step with the Spirit, and I know at least nine footprints of the Spirit. What's the first one? It starts at the head of all ethical lists. Love. Love how? Divine love. Uh, There's a big difference in uh, liking people and loving them. Uh, We had a big staff argument one time. There's a theological debate going on with those guys that uh, one of the guys said, You've got to like everybody in the church. And the other guy said, no, I don't. I love them, but I don't like them. Necessarily. Well, you, you have different Greek words. Uh, you know, it's confusing. You say, I love peanut butter and I love my mother. What do you mean? I think you're really saying, I like peanut butter. I hope you do more than like your mother. Some don't like their mother. But in a, a healthy relationship... I love peanut butter. I do. I love you, Mom. You know, in English, we can't differentiate, but the Greeks could. They could say, I eros you, physical, sensual love. I storke you, family love. I phileo you, primarily a love of pleasure, love of friendship. But they said, I agape. Now, the word had been used for centuries before the New Testament, but the New Testament 
Christ and the Father poured it into a new meaning for us, and it has the element, I think enough of you, I would sacrifice myself for you. It's a love that I put a value on you that you're worth sacrificing for. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. As we conclude our time together today, we would invite you to contact us if you have questions, comments about the broadcast. Maybe you have a question about your own walk and relationship with the Lord or a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us today. Now, we have a couple of ways to do so. The easiest might be simply visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org. You can drop us an email. We have other means of contact that you'll find there at truthfortodayradio.org. We also have a lot of resource materials available for your growth and relationship with Christ. Our design and desire is to see that you grow in Christ, grow according to His knowledge and grace. Any way we can help, well, that's why we're here. So stop by truthfortodayradio.org or simply give us a call. 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. Please bear in mind as you contact us that this is a listener-supported ministry. As you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. Prayerfully consider how you might get involved in the ministry of Truth For Today, won't you? 855 833-9864 or write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And that website, once again, truthfortodayradio.org. It is a pleasure spending time with you in God's Word. We trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Phil Howard.